Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Hello, and welcome to the Circling the Bases podcast, proudly presented by NBC Sports Edge. My name is DJ Short, and I'm joined here, as always, by Drew Silva. We are live on the NBC Sports Edge YouTube channel, also the NBC Sports Edge Twitch page right now, so welcome to our audiences there. Feel free to submit questions, and we'll try to get to some in the next half hour or so. We're doing the show Thursday night, just in case you're getting this show in the usual podcast form. And for this episode, we're joined by one of our own NBC Sports Edge's George Bissell. George, really glad to get you on the show here. Uh, I know we've been trying to do that for a while to get you on a podcast here. So uh, welcome and thanks for stopping by. Hey, DJ Drew. Thanks for having me on. Uh, good news to report. I've been checked thoroughly for foreign substances, <laughs> passed all the, the, the tests and the clearances. So uh, I think we're good to go. It is good to have you, man. I, George is one of our best game recappers, I feel like. So if you read a, a really good, informative, info-packed game recap on NBC Sports Edge, it probably came from George, uh, a really talented writer. And I'm, I'm glad to, to finally get you on the, the Circling the Bases pod. Thanks. And I appreciate that. It's, uh, it's yeah. great to be here. Thank you. Yeah, and your, your daily doses are, are awesome too. Um, when do you, when are your doses just to give yourself a plug? <laughs> so it goes up, I write the one on Tuesday nights. So that goes up on Wednesday morning. And I also write the Saturday night one, which you can read on Sunday morning. So those are a lot of fun. I mean, we switched up the format this year. So you, you know, your main story of the day, and then we highlight a couple hitters and pitchers and everything you kind of need to know from the night before. So it's a good way to catch up on things. If you weren't able to, you know, get through all the action the night before, those are great. The daily doses. So yeah, Wednesdays and Sundays. I think that was a good format switch too, especially in this modern era where you can kind of get anything you're looking for. Like, especially when it comes to just recapping something that happened the night before. So it's good to, to narrow down on like hitters and pitchers, like we've begun to do in the doses. I, I think that yeah, was smart. I think it's, I think it's awesome. Yeah. I've been a big fan. And I like on the weekends, like I'm with my kids and stuff. I'm out. Like I can't be as closely in tune with everything that's happening. So like I read them to catch up on stuff too. And I find it really, really useful. So subscribe to it. If you don't already, you can get it in newsletter form in your email inbox every morning. Um, so the purpose of the show today, we're going to go over first half surprises and, and we all made our picks um this week over the course of the week one for each position i think i picked a couple outfielders but 
We're each going to run through our picks by position. Um, just kind of players that, you know, back in March, maybe weren't really on our radars being impact players, you know, early round type of players, but have delivered that, that type of value. Um, so where do you think we should start? I could take it, I guess. All right. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll just start. Yeah, catcher Omar Narvaez, uh, and he has cooled down quite a bit and missed some time with injury, but um, the overall numbers are still really strong. Uh, uh, batting average above 300, showing a lot more power um, than he has in the past. Uh, for a Brewers team that has really needed a lot of offense from you know anywhere they can get it. Um, and I, I think once the Brewers lost against Monty Grandal and, and – acquired Narvaez to be his replacement. It was like, they're, they're in for a big time letdown here. And, and they were last year, uh, but he's been everything they could have wanted this season. Um, so I, I, I don't think anyone would have necessarily drafted Narvaez in like a 12 team, even 14 team mixed league, but he's probably rostered in, in a lot of those leagues now. Yeah. I feel like, you know, going to the Brewers maybe last year, and it was such a small sample. It's hard to take it all super seriously, but he really improved last year as a pitch framer. So I wonder if like a lot of that was maybe in his head trying to improve there because of, you know, who was there before him and maybe his offensive game kind of took a backseat or it was just like randomness, but um, now he's kind of a bit more well-rounded catcher. So, you know, uh, certainly nice to see him get back on track offensively. Um, so my pick, I'm going to say Buster Posey. And to me, you know, just given what he did, I mean, he didn't even play last year. He he took the year off. He opted out. Um, he had two uh, adopted baby girls, I believe. And so he took the year off, um, you know, for COVID, obviously, to help take care of the little ones there. I think they were preemies as well. Um, and then, but just look at what he did in the years prior to that. I think the three previous years, like he real, really tailed off. His strikeout rate was up in 2019 as well. So there was no indication that he was suddenly going to turn things around. But look at him this year, hitting 322, 12 homers, 966 OPS, over 51 games. Just hitting the ball, like the quality of contact at a level we haven't seen since really his peak. Um, and he's basically been the number two fantasy catcher behind Salvador Perez. Yeah. Um, so really fantastic to see him turn things around. And, you know, he might be building that Hall of Fame case as well, where he was kind of tailing off. But, you know, look at what he did early in his career, you know, multiple World Series, three World Series uh, championships. Like he could really be improving his stock going into the tail end of his career. You know, the narrative late last year was how long until Joey Bart is the everyday catcher. It wasn't, right. this is Buster Posey's coming back. He's going to be our starter. He's the answer for a couple of years. It was, all right, well, what kind of role is Posey going to play? Because we have Joey Bart now. He's ready. And that's flipped in a hurry here. So, yeah, it's been really impressive what Posey's done this year. He's been fantastic. And we've yeah, talked I think about a year off just refresh, refresh. Yeah, probably. That's yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Like, especially for a catcher that has had that much mileage, and when you include the postseason runs, it's probably it was probably really nice for him to get away from baseball for a bit, be with the family. It's like it's narrative stuff that can't be quantified, but I could totally see how that could be refreshing to him physically and mentally. He'd yeah. had a bunch of surgeries too. I think yeah. uh, the previous yeah, he had year, a hip so. surgery. Yep. Yeah. So getting that time to, to get the strength back or just to just to rest 
uh, I yeah. think is really big. Maybe every baseball player should get a gap year at some point. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a good idea. I, I can think of some is it is it a good idea? I'd like to get a gap year too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the team can uh, assign the gap year. <laughs> I would have said like Oliver Perez, like back in 2011 with the Mets or Luis Castillo. But uh, I'm just picturing like in major league with the red tags, you show up at spring training. You're like, Oh man, gap year. Gap year. <laughs> I'm going to Europe. I'm backpacking <laughs> through Asia. Uh, so my pick was, uh, we'll roll right into it. Gary Sanchez. Uh, just because we we kind of know who Gary Sanchez is, but I don't I don't think any of us thought he was going to become a guy who was all of a sudden hitting like seven home runs in a two week span. He homered again on Thursday, you know, earlier in the day as we record this on Thursday night. And man, the the guy's always been streaky, but he's on a heck of a run right now. And for a while, for a guy who has his challenges defensively, to put it nicely, uh, he wasn't hitting at all. He wasn't really hitting for power last year. Batting average was, you know, below the Mendoza line. So I think we thought that the version we saw of Gary Sanchez a few years ago, that guy was kind of gone and he's really come back in the last couple of weeks. So that's a really encouraging sign for the Yankees as they had a lot of struggles hitting for power earlier in the year. He's turned things around for them. And that's, that's big for this Yankee lineup as you know, maybe they're going to be able to make a postseason push here. That AL East is really good with the Rays and the Red Sox. You know, that's going to be a, a real battle down the stretch here these last three months. Yeah, I mean, the Rays losing glass now, though, and I feel like the Red Sox rotation has kind of sprung some leaks. It's a lot more gettable, I think, that division than Yankees fans would have thought when they were panicking a week ago, two weeks ago. And, yeah, if you take Gary Sanchez's it's small sample size stuff, but, like, his last 20 days are unbelievable. He yeah. has been on an absolute tear. And Luke Voigt, too. His, yeah. is like just so much confidence. Like if you've seen his at bats the last few, it's come against Royals pitching. So, you know, I think he's right to feel confident, but he looks like he's ready to rock too. And I'm sure he was frustrated, you know, led the league in, in home runs last year and then had that knee injury right at the end of spring training. And what was it? The oblique, I think, yep. or uh, yeah. something like that. And so, so he's finally back and he has two home runs in three games since coming off the IL. Yeah, it was a grade two oblique strain for Luke Voigt too, yeah, but he right. managed to come back in under a month. So that was pretty amazing. And, uh, you know, we we're talking about the pitcher inspections where, where pitchers were in various states of undress, taking their belts <laughs> off and stuff. But Luke Voigt always has the little bit of uniform oh, yeah. cleavage going at the top, which I appreciate. <laughs> yeah, it looks good, man. He's always <laughs> the got the, head, the headband. Special. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Give the people what they want, Luke. You know. (laughs) Um. So yeah, let's hop over to first base, Drew. Um, Trey Mancini, uh, who who has been more of a a DH this year, I guess, but has that first base eligibility. Just like runaway guy for comeback player of the year, and I know he's cooled down a ton lately, uh, but got off to a tremendous start and coming back from a a colon cancer scare. I, I guess it proved to be a malignant tumor but he underwent chemotherapy obviously missed all of last season um and so to see him back and being semi-productive the overall numbers are, are still pretty good and i don't i don't know what his adp was i i, I think maybe like some people might have drafted him around like pick 250 in like a deeper league um so what you're getting out of that so far has been pretty valuable i would say and it's just it's generally just a really good story in baseball probably one of the best stories of the year so far i agree no doubt um for me i have matt olson 
And this is someone we've talked about for, I think the past like two or three years, like ready to just bust out. And it's actually happened this year, but like not in a way we were expecting, I guess. Uh, has 20 homers, 53 RBIs, 980 OPS, but he's hitting 298 right now. <laughs> um, and we never really thought of him as a guy who would hit for average. Yeah, what did he and hit last year? Like 192 or It something? was pretty bad. Uh, his strikeout rate last year was 31.4%. Um, this year he's brought the strikeout rate down to 16.3%. I don't think anybody saw that coming. Even, yeah. you know, the, in his last full season in 2019, it was 25.2%, which is, you know, acceptable and fine, but not somebody was going to hit 300. I still have questions about whether he can maintain that. Like he's got to prove that, but it's been pretty remarkable what, what he's been able to do as far as the, the contact gain. So, um, you know, the breakout is here, but just sort of not in a way we, we thought. Like, I thought he could have, like, a Pete Alonzo kind of season. Same, yeah. yeah. You drafted him for the raw power and weren't expecting right. a whole lot else. You were expecting to kind of take a hit on batting average. He's been incredible for the value, too. His value was kind of depressed because he wasn't – I mean, he had a bunch of homers last year relative to the small schedule, but everything else, he was kind of a, a killer. And yeah. this year he's really put it all together. Yeah, he's basically the number two fantasy first baseman behind Vlad Jr. Right now. Yeah, that's incredible. I went with uh, Ryan Mountcastle, and this is an example of why you don't give up on a guy after a rough couple of weeks to start a season. You know, proven hitter with a pretty good track record, had success in a limited, you know, kind of sample last year in, in the short in 2020 uh, when he debuted. But he hit 198 in April, and it was off to a really, really bad start. OPS right around 500. So as Joe Girardi once said, that's not what you want, but <laughs> he's, he's really turned things around the last two months. You know, if you, if there are arbitrary endpoints, but since May 1st, he's hitting 296 uh, with 11 homers in 43 games. So that's a really quality first, uh, first baseman. And, you know, the landscape's a little weird. You, you've, you've seen sort of a changing in the guard where you, like you just talked about DJ, where you have Vlad Jr. right at the top, but, I mean, it's it's all kind of disjointed the rest of the way. It's a it's a real mishmash of guys, and uh, Mountcastle's been pretty good here over the last two months. So, younger guy, it's it's a better lineup than you think in Baltimore. You know, Drew, you talked about it with Mancini there, Cedric Mullins. I'm sure Cedric. we're gonna get to. Yeah, man, he's been fantastic, and you got some guys who you know they're not great, but they can hit for power who are behind Mountcastle in that lineup. So. Yeah, he's a guy I think I'd, I'd still – I still think the buy low window is there because he's not a big flashy name. So there's definitely a buying opportunity there for fantasy yeah. managers. Yeah, I agree. Up. You know, playing in Camden Yards, the other mm-hmm. AL East ballparks, the weather getting warmer on the East Coast, like I think those power numbers should continue to be there. Yep, absolutely. Looking at the, at the first base, like fantasy points leaderboard, I should have picked Jared Walsh because he was kind of like my big sleeper this spring, but – I feel like that's almost – he was everybody's sleeper a bit. He kind of was. Yeah. I mean, he, he literally got Albert Pujols shipped out, basically. Yeah. I mean, that was the moment when you knew, like, all right, this guy is the real deal. Like, they're yeah. cutting ties with Albert Pujols. Like, that's a big deal. Yeah. So Pujols has played pretty well since going to the Dodgers, too, which has been cool. Like, I, I want him to do well, you know? Yeah, me, me kind of. Me, too. <laughs> well, you're, you're a Cardinals fan, so, yeah. Is, yeah. is his career it. batting average at 299 still? I think so. I haven't checked it in a while. I, I, I'm going to have to look it up while we're talking. Because I'd love for him to just like get that to 300. I think it might be 299 or something like that. There was like something, maybe it was like OPS, which was just under what, or something. 
what was the Bernie uh, the Bernie Mac movie where he had to come back? They took the hits away from him. Three thousand, yeah. I would love that if if Albert had to like unretire and come back and get one more hit. <laughs> that would be amazing. Tell me you wouldn't watch that for the Cardinals. He would sign a one day contract yes. with the Cardinals. There oh, you go. That okay. would be amazing. They lead him off. Like, oh, it would be incredible. <laughs> I'm good with that. Oh. I could write the script. We'll tell his agent. George, yeah. your line, as Joe, as Joe Girardi once said, it's not what you want. I, I really appreciate <laughs> that. <laughs> well, it's interesting we bring up Girardi after what happened. Uh, this uh, week. Do we yeah. have to get into it? Max Scherzer. Yeah, we're required to keep our belts on for this podcast. I think that's the policy. <laughs> I don't know. I think- like, I think. Girardi might have been doing that on purpose to like, oh. I, I don't know, highlight how weird the system is. I don't know. I think he saw how angry it made Scherzer the first time they did. Because didn't he look pretty – I mean, he's an a- angry kind of – I wouldn't want to make Max Scherzer out there. angry ever. <laughs> yeah. So I think he saw like, oh, man, this this really got in this guy's head. Like, I'm going to keep yeah. doing it and see how he reacts. Like, I think it was a little gamesmanship. Like, it was. The third time, it's corny. Like, don't do it. Yeah. But, you know, I can see why he, he tested it. Clayton Kershaw said, like, you know, if a manager requests a search and, like, nothing is found, like, something should happen to the manager. Or, like, you should only get, like, one challenge a game for for a search. Um, but you shouldn't put that much power in the manager's hands yeah. as, as far it's, as the, the search. I could see something like in hockey where if you challenge something and you get it wrong, then you get a penalty. penalty so you, you have to go on the penalty kill for two minutes. Right. Like, I could see something like that. But right. seriously, if we're talking about like games down the stretch where it starts really getting tight in the standings, and why wouldn't you use that as gamesmanship if you're going to piss off the opposing pitcher who happens to be a future Hall of Famer, you know? Especially right. if that guy's like throwing a no-hitter or something like that. You want to disrupt them any way you can. I mean, I, I could see it. So, yeah, it's going to be something that they have to work out. But it's it's a, it's a strange new world we're living in, and it's yeah, kind of everyone's- fun. Figuring it out, and I don't really blame the umpires either. Like they're just doing, they're just doing what they're being told to do. <laughs> like some of the players have been, you know, throwing their equipment on the ground and like stuff like that for the umpires to check. Like I think that's a little, that's a I little. Thought the, I thought the Grom handled it the best. He was just, he was like, okay, do what you got to do, and you know, as usual, uh, he's like, Sorry. he's the gold standard. Like you know, <laughs> he handled it the right way. So I mean, that's that's how you'd like to see all guys handle it but you know there's going to be incidents and stuff it's just the way it's going to go yeah could have been enforced a little better but i don't know i guess they'll figure it out as as we go i, I think i i've sort of changed my mind on it which i know you're not allowed to do in 2021 but I, I think it's good for the game that they're rooting this out of there i think the first time we talked about it dj and we i guess we're spending way too much time on this already but the first time we talked about it we we're kind of like I view everything from the lens of like the upcoming CBA talks and I'm usually very pro player. So I was skeptical about why Manfred and major league baseball were doing this right now. But I, I think maybe give him that, give them the benefit of the doubt a bit. If, if they even deserve that to where it's like they identified a real problem. This is maybe why offense is so down and um, yeah. it's cheating. I mean, spider tech is cheating have you seen what that stuff does to a baseball and especially the rotations per minute spin rate stuff um i i mean i i think in long term this is how it should be and i liked chris bryant's comments the other night he was like we we let pitchers so long use um this sticky stuff as a copped out because it's like oh we don't want them to hit us and you know he's like i love that things are kind of going the other way now and if hey if we get hit that's on base percentage yeah. Which I don't know. <laughs> anyway, all right. On to second base. 
uh, Jake Cronenworth, who I I have no shares of. Um, I liked as a player, like a, more as like a real life player than a fantasy asset. Um, last year, what did he have? Like three home runs, four stolen bases. I was trying to pull up his page, but my computer's frozen right now. Can you guys still hear me? I can hear you fine. Yep. Weird. I don't good. know what happened. Um, uh, maybe my mouse ran out of batteries. But all right, there we go. <laughs> he had four home runs in 192 plate appearances last year. Yeah, at 285. Right. So I, I just I wouldn't I wouldn't have expected him to necessarily like threaten to be a, a 20 homer type hitter, and he's done that now, especially with what he's done in June so far. I was also a little bit worried about playing time with them signing Hassan Kim and Jerickson Profar was in the mix there at second base, but. Um, Cronenworth has played so well that he has just kind of taken over that spot and can also play some other areas on the infield if, if they need him to. Um, so I've, I've been really impressed with him. I think he's evolved from being a good real-life player to being a legitimate fantasy asset. He's probably been, uh, maybe not in fantasy terms, but like the best second baseman in the National League. Adam Frazier would be up there, uh, yeah. but it's, it's probably him or – Cronenworth or Frazier, which I don't think anyone would have guessed with like, you know, Albies on the board. And yeah, I've been impressed with him so far. Yeah. Frazier is my pick. Adam Frazier with the Pirates Uh, hitting 324 has a 390 on base uh, leading the league with 91 hits and 20, 24 doubles has an 852 OPS Um, only three home runs, but you know, still some nice counting stats, 27 RBIs, 43 runs scored. It's even stolen four bases. Frazier's been a guy who's like been pretty decent about a league average hitter in his career, maybe a little bit higher. Um, but obviously taking it to a new level this year, he's basically a top six second baseman in, in standard mixed leagues. Um, and someone who will probably get traded uh, as the season moves along here. The White Sox have been mentioned, uh, but I'm sure there's plenty other teams where he could, he could fit nicely. He's someone who can play multiple positions, has experience in the outfield, so surely he'll get traded somewhere, and that could only improve his his fantasy stock moving. The White forward. Sox, yeah, I think the White Sox is the most obvious fit. Um, they could they could stick him in the outfield, they could stick him in second base, they could move some guys around and hit um, him, bat him like second, maybe. I, 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 maybe yeah. they'd bat him lower, but with that OBP he's showing this year, he could be a candidate to. Yeah, you know, I, I I I mean I qui- I'll say this quietly, but he might be a better option there than Tim Anderson even. I, I mean, I agree, but Tim Anderson is fast. So. <laughs> and, it, and it's Tony La Russa. Is his yeah, name. that's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, he's been great. Uh, it's been nice. And last year he was, you know, kind of lousy. So it's been nice to see him bounce back for sure. All right. Am I up now? Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Jonathan Scope was my pick at second base. Uh, kind of an obvious one. I feel like we've been talking about him for like a month now here at, yeah. uh, at Edge. I mean, we've we've all kind of been writing about him and what he's been doing, whether it's in the you know the player news or you know the daily doses. Um, it's just hard to overlook the numbers. He's been basically the best power hitter in the American League for a month now. You know, I'm going to do the arbitrary endpoints thing uh, a lot tonight, but you know that's kind of what we do. And since yeah. May 15th, he's hitting 355 with 13 homers uh, and 32 RBI in 35 games. Those are really good numbers for a guy who barely was on you know under consideration to be signed by any team yeah he was signed pretty late in the process yeah. uh this spring i think it was right at the arrival date uh of spring training when he came on and it was 
early on the narrative was, well, maybe he can play a couple positions and Renato Nunez is going to be the first baseman. Right. Cabrera is going to DH. And then by the end of spring, it was like, all right, scope is going to play every day and he's going to hit cleanup for us. So he didn't yeah. get off to too great of a start, but he's been really good over the last month or so. And that's kind of been the way he's been throughout his career. So when he's hot, he's hot and, and he's going to hit for power. So you need to take advantage of that. Uh, if you're a fantasy manager, it's just when a streaky guy's hot, don't question it. Just kind of ride it until it fizzles out. Yeah, yeah some of the had- underlying metrics with him um, sort of match what he did during like his all-star season with the Orioles. Yeah, that's what I was so, going to say. Yeah. So it's been nice to see him get back to that. And he's someone who's been sort of undervalued in recent seasons anyway, even when he hasn't been great. The power has been consistent, and he's showing that this year. I guess he could be a trade candidate too. Undervalued on like on the open market too. Like. Yeah. I mean, he he hasn't turned into like this superstar that it looked like he might be in his early days in Baltimore, but each year he puts up real good numbers and then consistently signs one-year deals for less and less. Like, I mean, he would have been a a good fit for a a lot of teams in retrospect. And he's only 29 years old. He's been around forever. You'd think he's like more of a veteran than that. But I've I've always kind of liked Jonathan Scope. It's just tough because that kind of profile for the guy with the defensive challenges who hits for power and doesn't do a whole lot, that that market for those types of players has just created over the last couple of years. So that probably explains it is that teams feel like that guy they can find. And, you know, the the problem is if you you pass up on that guy and he goes somewhere else for basically no money and he hits like he has this year, you, you don't end up looking so good. So. Good signing by the Tigers. I mean, that's smart. He, they'll pre- they probably, like you said, uh, you know, they'll probably be able to flip him for some kind of prospect at the deadline for sure. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, to third base, I'll start it off with Ryan McMahon, who you could, I, I guess, either put at second base or third base. And we've been kind of high on him um, over the years, especially like when, when it started to look like he was going to get a lot of playing time. Remember like three years ago, it was kind of between him and Garrett Hampson for that starting second base job. Um, and we we're like, whoever wins this competition out of spring, you should definitely get in fantasy. And McMahon's just turned into a, a fantastic power hitter. And obviously, course field helps uh, 16 home runs through 72 games, 44 RBIs, 44 runs scored, 816 OPS. Um, and he's been great and a, a nice kind of fill in for, for what they lost at third base with Nolan Arenado. I know Joshua Fuentes has, has been playing a lot of third base lately with Brendan Rodgers at second. And McMahon does not hit well against lefties, but he has been mashing righties all season. And I don't really see a reason why that won't continue. I, he, I guess he could be a trade candidate. He just reached arbitration eligibility, I think, this past winter. So maybe if they get a nice offer for him and, and want to kind of sell high i suppose if if they feel like this is the best kind of player he's going to be um maybe they would listen to offers on him and he would get out of course field but maybe land with a contender and be productive I, I i didn't i don't think i have any shares of ryan mcmahon he was probably on a lot of waiver wires when the season started yeah. in like shallower leagues but he, he's been great so i have joey wendell as my pick uh you, you can put it third base but you can put it other positions too uh, he's already cur- tied his career high with seven home runs, uh, hitting 287, 834 OPS, uh, nice counting stats, 32 RBIs, five steals, 41 runs scored over 67 games. Uh, top 10 third base value, not like knocking you out in any category, but useful across the board. And also, I love the kind of players you can plug and play with. So if you, you know, if you want to put them at third, that's fine. But 
you know, you could put him in other spots too, and he could still be respectable, especially in a year where we've seen so many players go on the injured list. Having someone like a Wendell from like day one on your roster has probably been a lifesaver. I remember uh, one of my good friends, Mike Giannello, who writes at Baseball Perspectives, he always talked about this, you know, one of the most important things you can have, especially in those deeper leagues, like when you get into that like ALNL only kind of territory, <laughs> the guy who plays every day and gives you something is worth a lot more than the guy who's never in the lineup. Totally. So that was always Freddie Galvis. He would always get a guy like that. He's like, that guy just plays every game. Like he, <laughs> He's not a superstar, but man, he's going to be out there. And that's kind of Joey Wendell's, uh, what he's done. He was so good to start the year. Uh, my pick, my pick at the hot corner was Austin Riley. Now, if I told you he was going to be hitting 276 with 12 homers in mid June, you would have said that's pretty good. Like especially from a batting average standpoint, that was the liability with him. The, the plate skills were never great, so it was we knew it was. You know, it may not have been 80 great power, but it was close. I mean, this is a guy who's put up some big power numbers, had massive raw power, uh, but it hadn't really translated at the highest level yet. The plate skills, so. He made some improvements there. He's kind of tailed off a little bit recently, so I'm interested to see where things go. He's, I think his bad is like 350 right now, yeah. so that's going to come down, and we'll see where he finishes the year. But uh, really encouraging start, and I, I think that he's been better from a batting average standpoint. So he was kind of the guy who stood out to me at, at the hot corners, you know, somebody who's taken a little bit of a step forward here, and I'm interested to see where he goes the last couple months of the year. He's a guy that with a profile, and unless he has shown some improvement with that player discipline, but it feels like he's always going to be pretty streaky, um, pretty streaky player. But he's still young, so maybe he can make some improvements in that regard. Um, yeah. Shortstop, I feel like we all put down Brandon Crawford, probably. <laughs> okay. Yes, I, I did. <laughs> Just a, a consensus pick, because really, yeah. I was I was going through the the shortstop like fantasy value ranks. And I wouldn't say there are a ton of surprises. Marcus Simeon's been better yeah, than I thought sure. he'd be necessarily. Um, but then it's, it's Tatis, Bichette, Correa, Bogarts, Trey Turner, uh, Chris Taylor's kind of a surprise. He's only made four starts at short, but I guess he's got that eligibility because he played a lot there last year. Yeah. Um, but other, I guess Isaiah Kiner Falefa. Yeah. yeah. He's your yes. guy, George. Yeah. Yeah. He's been pretty good. I mean, we'll, we'll get to him in a second, but like Crawford's been, he's got 16 home runs already. This is most since 2015. Mm-hmm. I mean, this kind of came out of nowhere. I don't, I, I mean, he'd made some kind of tweaks to his swing, but this is kind of unprecedented what we've seen from him. This, I don't think anybody was talking about this in, in January. Like, Hey, you know, who's going to take a big step <laughs> forward to the power department, Brandon Crawford. It's yeah. like that. Nobody had that take. No, yeah, I think sure what's going on in, in San Francisco with, with Posey, even Longoria was, showing really good quality contact before getting hurt. Yeah. It's like and, uh, and Brandon belt last yeah. year belt. Yeah. Big Rom- step. Wilmer yeah. Flores has been really good. Yeah. It's like the movie cocoon over there with all the, <laughs> the aging players just getting new life. I think Darren Who's... Ruff has been good. Austin Slater. Are we just going to name the whole yeah. roster? Yeah, just name the... Wade's hit. kicking around there. Yeah. They can they hit. Hit. That's the thing about the giants and they can pitch obviously too. Their yeah. rotation ERA, I believe is the best in the majors. Writing those power rankings every week, which go up every Tuesday on NBC Sports Edge. I when I get to the Giants and the Red Sox, I'm like, I don't even know what to write here. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm ranking them is easy because you kind of just at this point in the season, especially the Giants were number one for me this week. It's like how could they not be number one? They're yeah. It, at that point, at least they had the best record in baseball. I do like to look at run differential when I do that, and 
they're not, you know, the tops there. But with that offense, like they rank really high in a lot of offensive categories as a team. And then obviously the pitching's been great. It's like, and they're they have a better record than the Dodgers and Padres. So I got to put them number one. It was. It's kind of it's it's hard to write about that team week over week because I'm, I'm expecting for the shoe to drop at any point, but it just hasn't. So yeah. now all I can think about is Wilfred Brumley because you brought up Cocoon. So. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen that in a while. I think I need to. Let's do uh, a mo- movies podcast. Let's we add that we probably will before long, I think. Okay. Um, so before we get to outfield, uh, quick offer for our listeners: you can use promo code Basis Ten. For 10% off any premium subscription for NBC Sports Edge Plus can be either monthly or annual and for any tier. It also works across all sports, which is really nice with football ramping up very soon. Our draft guide for football is in production right now, so you should be able to find that in stores probably next month. Uh, so remember, it's promo code BASES10. You can go to NBCSportsEdge.com premium to get started. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. True. Uh, we're moving into outfield. Did you want to talk yes. about Kiner Falefa? Or are, we, are you p- trying to push this show along? Oh, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead, George. I can do it in 15 seconds. Uh, 15 <laughs> steals, hitting 280. Just snapped the 40-game homerless drought. Like That's the good stuff. Um, only Whit Merrifield has more steals this year. So Whit Merrifield, man, I mean – it was one of those, you know, oh, the speed's going to tail off at some point. It kind of hasn't. Yeah. He's kind of yeah, remarkable. So yeah. you don't want to talk about a guy who would command a lot in a trade. I mean, that dude, if the Royals ever made the decision to move on. They, um, they should trade him. I think Drew and I have been saying that for like two or three years. They they just got to trade him, you know. He's not going to be part of their next, like, competitive team, I don't think. Yeah, I mean, it's it's tough. He's kind of the identity of that team, I would imagine, right now. So, at this point, yeah, it's Salvi and him, yeah. Yeah, so I don't know. Uh, Kiner Fluff has been really good from a speed stamp. I, I think people knew he could steal a couple bases back when he was a catcher. I mean, how many guys have – has that happened a lot? I feel like it hasn't. Guys who have gone from catcher to shortstop and they're not – Yeah, not in modern yeah, no. baseball. <laughs> it's, he's kind of an outlier as a player, yeah. so I'm not surprised he's all of a sudden stealing a million bases. So he's it's, it's, it's an interesting guy to watch on a yeah. terrible Rangers team. Yeah, one another player in a terrible team who's up now. Carson Kelly broke his wrist, so now Dalton Varsho's up. We'll see how much he plays, but he's another player who, you know, he can play some center field. He can steal some bases. He hasn't really hit in the majors yet. I mean, but I hope he gets like an extended shot. And like with as bad as the Diamondbacks are, they might as well just put him in the lineup every day and and see what happens. When Kelly comes back, he can play the outfield, you know? 
Yeah. John, um, who's the other guy? Rojas. I mean, they got a yeah. bunch of guys like that where it's like, you kind of just need to see what you have that before you make any not, decisions. not be as terrible as it is. It is a little weird, right? I feel like that Dimebacks team is pretty talented. Is their roster the bullpens worse the tr- than the, the tr- Orioles and Pirates? The bullpens, but I mean, compared to the Tigers and Orioles and Pirates and Rockies, I don't know. I, I don't think the Dimebacks uh, roster is that bad. Yeah, and I don't bullpens are so fickle. Like they could turn it around. Like I, I know they just basically they just DFA'd their yeah Stephen closer. Craig. Yeah, <laughs> not that they've had many closing opportunities recently. Stephen story Craig. has been bad. They lost Devensky to Tommy John. Like they just had just a bunch of bad luck with the the bullpen kind of guys. Yeah, it's right. it's tough. Let's go to the outfield. Yeah, oh, fun much topic. Less depressing news. Yeah. Yes. It's- Get the energy back up. <laughs> All right. Um, Jesse Winker would be tops for me. His I was looking up his ADP on Yahoo was 221. Um, and he's been, I, I think, a top 20 overall fantasy asset this year. Um, and I don't know, coming into I, I've always liked Jesse Winker as like a, a real good real life player who gets on base and you could at, at the very least platoon or like put at the top of the lineup and now he's sitting on 17 home runs and 45 RBIs through 65 games, 333 batting average, uh, OPS over a thousand. I I don't really think anybody saw this coming. I, there were maybe people projecting that he would eventually become a pretty good hitter. Like eventually, some of those doubles would turn into homers, especially playing at Great American Ballpark. Uh, but he has put it all together this season, and I don't know, like the the baseball savant page the peripheral numbers kind of suggest that he really is this kind of player at least close to it i'm sure he'll run into some natural regression in the second half but he's he's been awesome yeah he was great last year too um so it's really kind of a continuation of progression um but yeah the quality contact metrics totally back up what he's doing so um yeah the red's getting a lot of a lot of uh Heavy lifting in the outfield, Nick Castellanos has been great too. So for me, I have Cedric Mullins. Uh, I, I couldn't pick anyone else because he's basically been a, a first-round type of player so far. Um, across the board, just awesome. Five-category monster. Hitting 311, 13 homers, 26 RBIs, 12 steals, 40 runs scored. This is a guy who gave up switch hitting. Uh, is now exclusively from the left side. So there's got to be something to that, um, that he's been able to focus on on one swing from one side of the plate um, and has really just come into his own. He's someone we've talked about in the past, but certainly not from like the power perspective. I think that's been the biggest surprise. Yeah. But, you know, being in an Orioles lineup, which we said earlier, is not not terrible um, in Camden Yards, a great place for offense in the other AL East ballparks. Um, and the, the style that he has, I, I think he can keep this going. Um, maybe not the power. I think that's where I'd, I'd kind of temper my expectations. But he looks legit to me. Mullins is one of those things for me where it's hard to quantify, but the, the way he plays the game, when he first came up, he really struggled. And there was, was going to be a long adjustment period. And you can just see by the way he carries himself and the way he plays with so much passion and confidence that when you're struggling like that, it's hard to play that way early on in your career. So I think once he started having success, you know, he was a guy who could just kind of keep it going and, and, and felt like he was at that level and could play with that confidence that he needs to. And, and 
like I've been really impressed by what he's done this year. And I don't care about the all-star game at all who gets in, who doesn't, but if he's not on the all-star game roster, like what are we doing as a, as a sport? Right. Like, well, I would imagine be he'll be their only representative, right? Unless maybe Mancini gets a kind or, of a, yeah. a player nod. If yeah. John, John means, means if you're, yeah. Too, but I don't Is think he's going to be back in time though. I don't think so. No, after the all-star break, the, yeah. See, this is the news cycle. We 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 catch up on everything. Um, fun game for you guys. There have been uh, six hitters in the last half decade who have had twenty homers, twenty steals, and a three hundred batting average in the same season. Can you name all six? Twenty homers, twenty steals, and a three hundred batting average. Yep, six guys. Mookie Betts, Mike Trout. Mike Trout. Yep. Uh, Matt is Matt Kemp one of them? Nope. That was like 2012. Yeah. This is just the last five years. Oh, last which five is, years. Yeah, which is tough because 2020, not a full season. So there's, there's some guys who probably would have made it but didn't. So 20, Did Starling Martig ever get there? He got, came really close. Christian um, Yelich. Christian yep. Yelich. Yeah. Yep. Trevor he Story. No, he hasn't. Batting average. A batting average, yeah. Okay. Jose Altuve. Uh, yep. Ronald, he got four. Acuna didn't get to 300 ever, yeah. No, he uh, might this year. Is it uh, a weird one? Nope. All right, I'm going to give you one of them. He plays okay. for the Padres, and it's not who you're thinking oh. of. Oh, is it? Uh... It's a good one, I promise. No, not Machado. No? He plays in the outfield. Is oh, it Will Myers? Will Myers? No, 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 no. It's Tommy Pham. Tommy Pham, former Man. Cardinal. I should have thought of that. Three, come on. <laughs> The other one is Gene Segura. So oh, wow. that, was, See, that was the year he had in, I think, good. Arizona. Is that in Milwaukee? Oh, that was Arizona. Yeah. So, like, it's not all that common. So yeah. when you talk about five-category superstars, like, for Mullins to be in the as one of the names on that list when we look back a decade from now, like, yeah, this is a pretty special season he's having if he keeps it going. It's really been good. That was the most fun I've had all night. Can we make a, a Thursday <laughs> night trivia podcast? I that like that. Have, that might have some That's legs. You want me to yeah. just come in for five minutes at the end of every show and just give you a trivia question? That's a very Jason Stark thing to do, to pop in with the trivia question. I, I like, like it. it. We could yeah. steal that. Yeah. I, did a, I did a trivia night last night, um, which I usually don't get to do because I feel like bars usually run them on Tuesdays. Um, and I'm always working on Tuesdays. It's like my worst night of the week. But there was a place um, near me that was doing one on Wednesdays, and my team actually won. I felt very proud about that there was, was a big like uh, sports or just general pop general culture? a lot of geography pop culture um i nailed every of, of the geography questions <laughs> I, I could try to think of some but we should move on um uh, but and, and then there was a bunch of st louis sports questions and we got those pretty easily nice yeah. there you and go it, yeah and there was a math problem at the end as a tiebreaker and i'm terrible at math but they sent me up there because i did so well on the geography and I somehow nailed it i i like went totally into my head because i knew there would be a trick at the end and i I was the only one that got it right you were the gift like the seeing all the numbers kind of yeah man (laughs) i I had a few beers i really had to focus you know (laughs) nice all right Uh, so adolis garcia i think is another huge surprise another Uh, former cardinal yes another former cardinal sorry he's everywhere uh and just when he thought he was going to slow down because he has like tapered off a little bit four homers in his last six games had a two homer game i think last night Wednesday. Um, I still wonder about the plate discipline. I think sooner or later that's probably going to be an issue. 
Uh, 78 strikeouts against 11 walks so far, but he's been another one of those guys like five category really helping across the board and yeah, someone who those... nobody had out of the drafts this year. I mean, we would write up his player profile for the draft guy and it would always be like one of the last minute ads. And it was like, well, this guy like crushes the ball on triple a, but he might strike out 250 times. And you know, yeah, he steals bases too. I mean, it's, it's been really yeah. fun to watch him. Um, my yeah. pick was Tyler O'Neill. Or it's one of those things where you can kind of see him making the leap in real time where he's a guy with a ton of raw talent. Mm-hmm. And I, I think Cardinals fans are, are acutely aware of it. Uh, I think a lot of fantasy managers haven't been because he's either been hurt or like hitting 178. So yeah. it's, he's been a hard guy to roster the last couple of years. But, man, he's he's kind of put it together. And just since coming back from the fractured finger, he kind of changed his grip on the bat a little bit I was reading about. And uh, he's hit over 300 with seven homers since uh, late May, since coming back off the injured list. So Tyler O'Neill's a guy where I think it's he's in a good spot and he can – He's just one of those really good athletes who's starting to put it all together. So if you play in one of those longer-term formats, keeper or dynasty league, like I'd float an offer out there and just kind of see where uh, that that manager's at if he's not on your roster already. I agree with you. I, it, it looks like he's a guy who's really starting to figure it out. And a bunch yeah. of his home runs this year have come off breaking balls, which I, I, I thought just watching the Cardinals every day that like he had a real problem with pitch recognition and was just going to be one of those guys that hit AAA pitching and – once you brought him up to the majors and gave him an, a regular role, he'd be exposed, but he has totally flipped that script and sneaky fast too. And yeah. won a gold glove last yeah, year when it wasn't out. even based off voting, it was based off metrics. He's a very good defender with a good arm and a ton of range. And as dad was like, Mr. Canada weightlifting champion. Um, well, and, and you could tell he's, he's maybe a little too bulky for a baseball player to be honest, but uh, he when you have a use. When you have a guy who's that talented and athletic, if he starts to figure it out at the plate, like he's going to get better at such a rapid pace compared to everybody else. Like he's yeah. just going to really take off. Uh, so yeah, Tyler O'Neill has been been really good. Should we, we move on, on to starters? Here? I mean, we 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 could probably name like twenty other outfielders. Uh, yeah, Mark Canna I had with the A's. Unfortunately, he's hurt. Yeah, he just um, got hurt. Today. He might be out yeah. for a while, which is mm-hmm. a bummer because he's been great too as the A's leadoff man. 11 homers, seven steals, like, you know, gets on base a ton. Um, so yeah. he's been really, really useful for someone who probably wasn't on, a, you know, a shallow mixed league roster at all out of out of um, draft day. Quick, quick shout out to my guy, Rymel Tapia with the Rockies. I know the Rockies have been bad, but if you go back to the start of 2020, he's basically been a 300 hitter. Not a ton of power, but he'll steal the occasional base. So if you're in a deeper format, he's a guy who I think matters and um, – you know, if, if that lineup gets better around him, I don't know how they we, – we've talked about it, but, like, that lineup's just been rough this year. They just mm-hmm. haven't been able to get anything going. So, Tapio's been pretty consistent for them at the top of their lineup. So, I, I've been impressed by him this year, I, too. I remember Bud Black saying in spring training that he thought that Tapia would win a batting title one day. And I was like, that's yeah. a weird thing to say. And then when you kind of look into it, it's like, man, if he stays at Coors Field and with, with some of these, like, underlying batted ball data metrics – that, that's actually with, within realm of possibilities. Yeah, I agree. That was always his minor league profile, right? He was a guy yeah. who just made like a surreal amount of contact. And you're mm-hmm. like, man, if he ever like gets this le- kind of level at the big leagues, like, man, he could be good. So, yeah, Tapia's been fun. Uh, Brian Reynolds I'd throw in there. We yeah, liked him good. a couple years ago, and then he was sort of a post-type guy uh, coming into this year. Yeah. Uh, we can move on, though. Uh, so starting pitcher, Kyle Gibson would be – 
my dude, uh, just completely off the radar after you know a pretty dreadful 2020 and wasn't good over the the longer sample in, in 2019 either. Um, and then this year, 2.17 ERA. Uh, the strikeout rate has actually dipped a bit, um, but the WHIP has been really good, and he's actually five and zero for a, a terrible Rangers team. So hasn't even drawn a loss at least in, in a decision um and has pitched really well especially lately i think he had a, a bad start to begin the year but since then has pretty much I, he only has one start where he allowed more than two runs um and a definite trade candidate uh they have an uh, he's under contract through 2022 but the, with the way he's bounced back i'm sure the the rangers are gonna sell high on him and there's not a ton of starting pitching available on this trade market yeah so, it's, it's rough out there for yeah. the starting pitcher market um so, so i could I, see him drawing quite a bit yeah, of attention i think the rangers will do well there and he's switched up his pitch mix a bit throwing his fastball less which is not a very effective fastball kind of velocity readings are all the same so i, I guess i would attribute it to that um or you know, throwing fewer sliders, which was never necessarily a great pitch for him. I, I, so I, I, he's doing something that has. He added uh, the cutter. I think that was yeah, the big one the this cutter. year. Yeah, yep. that was the big change for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so helpful. I have Carlos Rodon is my pick. Um, he was actually non-tendered in December <laughs> by the White Sox. Um, I forgot they brought him back. I think like a month later, one year, three million. Um, and like you can understand like why things fell that way. Uh, shoulder and back issues last year. Had Tommy John surgery before that. Going into spring training, I don't think anybody was really thinking much of Rodon at all. There was really no reason to. But he really looked like a different pitcher once Cactus League games got underway. Won a rotation spot. Threw a no-hitter in his second start of the year against the Indians. And then he's just been off to the races uh, 183 ERA, 105 strikeouts, 20 walks in 73 and two-thirds innings. The velocity has been incredible and seemingly just like going up and up. Like he's not getting tired. Um, has three double-digit strikeout games so far. He's pitching deep into ball games. Uh, it's been really awesome to watch. And he's someone, obviously, he had you know the pedigree of being a top prospect, but never quite met expectations but like here he is as a legitimate fantasy ace we'll just see what if he can you know maintain it as the year moves along kind of getting into uh, a workload where you could see him maybe hitting a wall doesn't seem to be impacting him so far but that's my only question about him if anyone out there watching or listening to this has followed me at all on social media on twitter you know i love freddie peralta i have been in (laughs) for a long time and The reason why is because he basically invented an amazing slider in one day last August. On August 6th, he unveiled a slider, which was different. He had changed the one he had been kind of using, and he basically doubled the horizontal movement on it, uh, which is, like, unreal. He did it by watching YouTube videos of Trevor Bauer's slider, which is, like, something you're like, okay, (laughs) sure. And uh, since that point, he's thrown 110 innings. He's had a sub-3 ERA with 161 strikeouts and only 45 walks. Uh, He's been fantastic. He's basically been in the rotation since day one for the Brewers this year. He has an ERA around two with 114 strikeouts and 33 walks during that span of 81 innings. I mean, just unreal. He's He's been been so good. 
as valuable as you Darvish, uh, or, or at least close to that. And um, I don't know, like Max Clayton Kershaw, Max Scherzer just running through here, Zach Wheeler, just the yeah, the, the dudes he's running Tyler Glasnow, who's hurt now and might not pitch the rest of the way, but Glasnow forced before that injury. So yeah, he's been tremendous. And I, I, I yeah, you you've been high on him for for a while, George. I didn't really even take the plunge um, on him in drafts this spring and he was kind of at a, a discount too. So I, I wish that yeah, I had he, to be honest. He was, he was going outside the top 300 in average draft position That's all crazy. spring. That's and crazy. the, just the strikeout baseline alone, I, I obviously didn't expect this from a run prevention standpoint, but man, uh, the strikeout upside alone was enough where it's like, okay, if this guy's giving you five innings, he's probably going to, you know, have a strikeout rate over, over 10 or 11. And, and that adds up if he's in a rotation every single start through a whole right. season so and yeah he, freddie peralta was a good one if you were on him and if he stinks he was basically free but there was no real indication okay. that he was bad it's just like yeah. he, he kind of needed to put the control together yeah the control more. i think was the big question yeah. um, and he's another one of those guys like we'll see you know the second half if he if he hits a wall like you know i could see that happening um anthony di scalfani has been a huge surprise too uh, 277 ERA so far with the Giants. Kind of had a bit of a rough patch, but he's turned it around like dramatically um, recently. Um, I don't know what the Giants are doing with these guys. <laughs> Kevin Gosman, uh, who's now like a fantasy ace, uh, one of the best pitchers in the game. Watched him opposite you, Darvish, on on Wednesday. That was a great game. Um, but yeah, he's been he's been a good find too, and was basically free in Knicks league drafts as well. Even like Logan Webb and Alex Wood have been good for those guys. Yeah, like, yeah. It's, it's something's going on out there. It's been nice. Yep. All right, closers. Let's, yeah, let's do it. Um, oh wait, I had Trevor Rogers too. Oh I yeah, to give him a shout out. Yeah, yeah, about him. Man, talk about another guy who was like outside the top three hundred that nobody really cared about. I mean, mm-hmm. there wasn't even a guarantee from the Marlins that he was going to be in the rotation until right. Sixto got hurt and that that kind of ensured that he was going to be in there so he's allowed three earned runs or fewer i think in each of his uh 15 starts this season so he's been really good you know, era around two 101 strikeouts only 28 walks at 86 and two-thirds that's that's ace level stuff and he's only like 23 24 years old he's going to be good for a really long time yeah that marlins they have a lot of pitching depth in that organization um, if they can get some position players coming through being productive, they're going to be really, really good. Yep. Yeah, a lot of cost control in that pitching stuff too. Um, closer, I, I'm going to go with Brad Hand. And I think if you just look at like his baseball reference page, like, well, it wasn't surprising that he's going to be really good. But remember the, the Indians didn't pick up – or did they cut him loose? They sent him through release waivers and no one claimed him. Right, um, it would have cost ten million dollars essentially to claim him. Am I? Yes, and nobody that? did. No, you got it right. Yep. And then he really struggled during spring training. Like I remember doing a draft the final week before the regular season began, and Brad Hand went super late because people were like, "Oh, maybe the the Indians knew something here, and the, the Nationals <laughs> kind of got hoodwinked." Uh, but he's yeah. been super solid. Uh, Two point six one ERA, thirty strikeouts, and thirty one innings. Kind of exactly the the guy he was last year in in cleveland when he led the league in saves he's got 16 saves already um here for washington a washington team that hasn't really caught its stride at all um and and should maybe play a little better down the stretch as long as scherzer's healthy and maybe they'll get strasburg back at some point 
Um, so I think Brad Hand's been really good. I was also going to mention Richard Rodriguez uh, of the Pirates too. I I really liked him as like a late round uh, fantasy closer, or you could even really just pick him up off the waiver wire because no one was paying attention to the Pirates and. He's going to get traded. We'll see if he gets traded into a closer role. It, it'll probably be he's going to go set up somewhere or like be a co-closer. We know how modern baseball bullpen usage is, but he has been very good. I have Alex Reyes. Um, if you remember back in the spring, we were all talking about Jordan Hicks maybe mm-hmm. reclaiming his old job. Uh, Giovanni Gallegos, the most talented arm in that bullpen, sort of the secure fallback if things don't work out, but – uh, so it was kind of hard to see Alex Reyes coming. There was some whispers about it, but he's really took off. 107 ERA, 17 saves. The control like has me super nervous. Yeah. <laughs> 30 walks and 33 and uh, two thirds innings. Like I don't know. That that's a little scary. But that's Carlos um, Marmol esque. Yeah. yeah. 47 strikeouts though, and opposing batters are hitting just 140 against him. He's given up just four extra base hits and 145 plate appearances against him this year. Man, so. I, I think he's going to be an all-star, which is so crazy because he's like he was the you know former top pitching prospect yeah. in baseball, and then had all sorts of injury and uh, personal tragedies, and, and now he comes back as this dominant closer. I'd like to see the Cardinals get a little creative and use him as an opener. Um, they put an, a hundred innings cap on him, and he's not going to reach that in his current role. Yeah. So I, I think they might as well have him s- start games and go like two innings, or maybe maybe even three innings sometimes. Because I mean, we don't have to turn this into a Cardinals podcast, but that rotation's a mess, and it's it's taxing the bullpen the way that they're using their starters. Yeah. Who I think Carlos Martinez is already up to seven walks tonight against the Pirates. Anyway, <laughs> George, take it. <laughs> Uh, I don't know how I could follow that one other than to <laughs> apologize to Craig Kimbrell. We we get asked to do our outliers, and uh, I've picked him uh, for the last like three years as the bust at closer, and I was right for like two of them. I, I just kept writing the same thing. I was like, Craig Kimbrell is cooked. Like I don't know what we're doing here, guys. And uh, he's totally come back this year. The velocity was back. I knew I was in trouble when he was bumping like 98 by guys in spring training. I was like, oh, no, this yeah. is bad. <laughs> this 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 will be on freezing cold takes. Like, this will not age well. Uh, so I knew I was in trouble then. So, you know, it's, you got to be willing to adjust your opinion on guys. And clearly when, when the, what you're seeing changes, you got to be willing to be like, hey, I was wrong on that take. So, yeah, I got it wrong on Craig Kimmel this year. So uh, I'd like lot, to admit a lot that. Of, a lot of people did. I I yeah, I, I, the thing with Kimball is like, done, like for a while, you weren't sure what version of Kimball to trust because, like, in August last year, he looked yeah. bad. September, mm-hmm. he pitched well, but you're yeah. kind of like, eh, like, what, what do you think there? So, he was, I don't even know if he was in the top 10 uh, closers in terms of ADP. He was like fringy, maybe he was like right on the edge there. Um, yeah, but no doubt he's showing like vintage skills again. Yeah, like you get back to like Hall of Fame Kimbrel. I don't think any of us said that on the bingo card. So that's a that's a good outcome for him, I would say. Yeah, it's good stuff. So I looked up Albert Pujols just so we wrap it up here. Um, he has a two ninety eight career batting average right now. Mm. So that's going to take a lot to get that back above three. I know it, it is unfortunately. I, I hate when that happens. Didn't didn't Pedroia finish at two ninety nine? I think that's right. I think he did. I'm gonna I'm gonna check that out too. I just hate seeing that, man. I I 
He'll still be a first ballot Hall of Famer, TJ. I mean, he will, but I like I like the nice round number. Yeah, Pedroia's two ninety nine career batting average. Yeah, man, that that stinks, man. Because Pedroia went three for thirty one to finish his career between twenty eighteen and twenty nineteen, and that's what dropped it. Maybe. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, no, I think so. Wow, it's crazy. Anyway. That's the we'll stuff be right I back think. on the hall, the hall of Fame baseball. Average. Actually, um, yeah, Pedroia through 2017 had a 300 career batting average. Wow, that's kind of heartbreaking to be honest. It's not right. that I mean really his bad. his career like basically ended on that slide from Machado, right? Like yeah, yeah. From, from that point on, it was it was done, uh, which yeah. which sucks because he was so good for a long time. Um, yeah. Man, on that so, note. Yeah. <laughs> Second half predictions. No, this, is um, the, this is the stuff I think about. Yeah, you know, I, I just, I like to see. I would love to see Pujols get to three hundred, just for that reason. And he's playing well, so you never know. Yeah, he's hitting like. Has he hitting like two fifty since joining the Dodgers? I think it's two. He's been okay. Yeah, two sixty three, six homers, eight eighteen OPS. Pretty good. Hey, September pitching expanded rosters. He could get there. He's going to go on a little streak here. Maybe, maybe. I don't know. That's going to take a lot of hits. <laughs> Probably. Well, Drew, you, that's that's going to be your next math question at trivia. <laughs> well, how many hits does Albert Pujols need to finish at 300? There was. I probably. I'm going to look at bats left. Let's go. There was a good question that I I think I w- was the only one at the table that knew it, and it's a very St. Louis centric question. But what what were the Cardinals' uh, three other names besides nicknames, like team names besides Cardinals? Browns, Browns, the Red Stockings. I have no idea. The Brown Stockings. Browns. Well, that was their first name in like 18, 1882 oh. or something. It had and something then, to do with stocks. I knew. Yeah, and then they were the St. Louis Perfectos for one Whoa. year in like eighteen ninety three. I like that. Yeah, I think the St. Louis Negro Leagues team was called the Perfectos too. Oh. And, and the the St. Louis Browns, who became the Orioles, uh, took their name from the Cardinals too. So kind of interesting cool. history. That's I the like expansion team name, except the Montreal like, Perfectos. Yeah, I, I like the name, but it would be really depressing if it was a team that like lost. It's terrible. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah it, it probably will be if it's going to be. A team. <laughs> Anyway. It would be weird to write the player blur, blur uh, like Max Scherzer threw a perfect game against the Perfectos on Tuesday night. Like, <laughs> Not so perfect, day. Eh? <laughs> the headlines write themselves. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, Manfred, uh, give, give us content. <laughs> so, George, uh, this was awesome, man. Uh, this this flew by uh, yeah. an hour w- with you here. Um, yeah. We really appreciate you coming on. We'll definitely have to do this again as the season moves along. Thanks for having me, guys. Ton of fun. I hope people got a lot out of this because this was uh, a lot of good content in there. So thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah of you course. Were, you were great. I feel wally pipped here. <laughs> uh, well, you'll definitely be back, George. And I, I think Drew's going on vacation soon. So if you That's if you want to if you want to come I'm, on the show with me, I'm warming up in the bullpen right now. <laughs> Check his belt. Arm is loose. <laughs> Where's my hat? So you're saying I can make it like a two or three week vacation? I was, yeah, you know. If <laughs> <laughs> if you like what you're hearing with this show circling the bases be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and if you're listening on apple podcast apple podcast please rate and review if you don't mind follow us on twitter if you don't already i'm at dj short drew is at true Silve. be safe out there and we will see you next time
Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.